the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. We've got a big event coming up tonight. Hopefully a lot of people will be able to make it to the event in Los Gatos. It's on income and retirement. I'm putting together a little portfolio of stocks that I'm going to be talking about tonight. I do hope that you get the opportunity to come out. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's tonight in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. So first and foremost, I think uh, I would be remiss if we didn't start by talking a little bit about the stock market. Um, and Janet Yellen and the Fed and earnings season. Stock market continued merrily on its rebound way yesterday, bolstered in part by the belief that the Fed Open Market Committee, the FOMC, won't be raising, that's right, won't be raising interest rates uh, in September. That was the thinking when you looked at their directive that they released, their policy directive. Uh, nonetheless, this you know strikes me as still hinting the Fed's desire to raise the Fed fund rates before the end of the year. September, December, in big picture, that's not going to much matter. So we saw energies and industrials leading the way to a positive finish yesterday. Some of the market's worst performing areas of late, so some maybe value hunting going on. Uh, cash market's expected to be under some selling pressure today. The sense is that things have been born out of the S&P. Um, and there's kind of a not much happening this year thing going on, and that's okay. Um, it's not horrible. It's it's okay. It's, we can work with it. So, uh, gold sits at 1085 an ounce. Some people see gold going to 700 to 800 dollars an ounce. Oil sits at 48, almost 49 dollars a barrel. Some people see oil going to 30 dollars a barrel, as the international markets continue to struggle. Ten-year Treasury sits at 2.27 percent. 
Facebook came out with earnings yesterday. Um, and the stock kind of got hit a little bit. I'd use it as a buying opportunity. I'll tell you why. Um, throughout the show, for sure. Facebook revealed a plan to make money from its messenger yesterday. Investors asked several questions about two fledgling businesses, Instagram and Messenger. Facebook rolled out a major app update for Instagram and announced plans to open up all of Facebook's ad targeting tools to the photo sharing service. It allow, now allows you brands you know, to use a new format in which they can create slideshows of multiple photos with links. Messenger's road to the dollar, i.e. monetization, not quite as clear. Um, Zuckerberg believes in waiting until his products hit 1 billion users before focusing on turning them into meaningful businesses, i.e. revenue drivers. Messenger has 700 million monthly active users, so it's getting close to that. <clears throat> WhatsApp is kind of similar, similar to how you know they think about building a business. Um, monetizing a little bit faster. Probably going to be pretty similar to the WhatsApp. Um, so very good quarter out of Facebook. And uh, I was trying to put together a way of putting this into perspective of Apple versus Facebook. They're two very, very well-liked companies, right? And I don't think you have to pick one or the other. One's a hardware company, very much so, who's trying to roll out services to Apple. And Facebook is completely a services company at this point in time who's played with the idea of a phone. Um, daily active users climbed 17% to 968 million. You're seeing, and the reason I like Facebook, if I had to pick one stock going forward for the long term, if I were to buy one stock for, let's say you have a child who's two and you want him to hold it 16 years, I'm probably going to go with Facebook at this point in time over Apple. And that's a tough call. And that doesn't mean I don't like Apple. Um, but when you talk to parents today, and you, I work in this industry, and I see like TV ratings going down, it's because people are on Facebook, and people are on YouTube, and people are on other areas. The monetization of mobile users continues to improve at a rapid pace. Total mobile users continue to expand. This is a key growth driver going forward for Facebook. Facebook continues to post impressive mobile ad revenues, beating analyst expectations. Uh, their results are supportive of the thesis that the company is uniquely positioned to grow its share of high-growth mobile ad market, a function its product format. Uh, it's got a unique data set asset. Um, they've got definitive IDs. They've got cross-device logins. They've got a strong track record of innovation. Um, steady growth in price and ad effectiveness. The ad effectiveness is out of this world. It used to be a day where advertisers would say, hey, if I want to get to, you know, 100 million people, I'm going to have to advertise on the Super Bowl. And it may be a good game. It may be a bad game. It may be third quarter. It may be second quarter. Um, we, this may be a year where a lot of women watch because Tom Brady, oh, he's so cute, um, is playing. This may be a year where not very many women are watching. This may be more of a... You know, a Super Bowl between like an L.A. and I know L.A. doesn't have a team, and New York is going to create more drama than say, you know, a Tampa playing. I'm not going to say New Orleans, but let's say let's say 
New Orleans just for the sake of it being a smaller market. Um, whereas with Facebook, you get like a bullet shot, a complete bullet shot into you know exactly how old people are. Um, we're doing that event tonight in Los Gatos, and you could buy Facebook ads for people in Los Gatos. Um, if you want to target people who have a million dollars in assets, you target their streets, you know, the most expensive streets in Los Gatos. Um, Facebook knows, you know, if you want to talk, target people who went to Harvard and Yale, you could do that. <clears throat> so it's pretty impressive. Um, and they've got a, a pretty nice pipeline of Instagram, Messenger, WhatsApp, video, uh, which have been kind of less pronounced. So they're accelerating ad dollars per user and better than expected profitability would leave them you'd be very bullish on the company. Again, short term, it's way too expensive. Long term, it's pretty interesting. Anyhow, and anyway, that's enough on Facebook. Um, Facebook, Procter & Gamble, Whole Foods, ConocoPhillips, Cardinal Health, Western Digital, and Signal. Signal were all uh, companies that reported results yesterday. So yesterday was the busiest day of earnings reporting for this period. Uh, Facebook and Procter Gamble both topped earnings expectations, yet each traded lower. Implies some you know, pressure to the stock market today. Whole Foods, for its part, missed expectations and got hit harder after curtailing its fiscal year comparable same source outlook. The market is not responding enthusiastically to the results on the market. And that's sure to spark some chatter that the you know, recent bounce in the stock might be, stock market might be more of a dead cat bounce. Um, the GDP number for the second quarter of the United States came out, and it ran at an annual rate of 2.3%. That's a little on the boring side. GDP between 2 to 4% is what we want. 2 to 0.3% is on the lower end. 3% is pretty good. 4% is a little too hot and sparks inflation in my mind. So this is a, an okay number on GDP, but it's not the best, and it's certainly not good. It's okay. Sign up for the event tonight, Los Gatos Tollhouse Hotel at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Trump, wouldn't you love to see him get in the office of presidency just to see what he would do to the White House? Probably like put gold plating on it, put his name on the outside, uh, turned it into a luxury hotel. He'll do something. It would be fun. Maybe a problem, but it would be fun to watch. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great, Rob. How are you? I'm well. Uh, tonight, big event. Los Gatos, California. Building a retirement portfolio that lasts. Uh, what do we need to know about it? Um, well, it's, you know, it's, we've got so many risks that we have talked about on the show lately. Um, we have 
longevity risk. That's people living a lot longer. Even even people that aren't as healthy as you'd think are living well past the age expectancy that you know, when our grandparents and parents retired at sixty five, they thought they'd probably make it to eighty five and that'd be it. And with with pills, with hip replacements, with joint replacements, with um everything that's coming down the line in medical advancements where science and healthcare and technology it's all coming together, people are living a lot longer. You gotta plan for that. And that means inflation okay. for many, many years. It means healthcare costs for many, many years. It means how to deal with low interest rates, which is a good portion of your portfolio for many years. So um, it's really how to calculate the cost of retirement and then how to translate that into the right amount of cash, the right amount of stocks, dividend-paying stocks, bonds, um, bond alternatives, and which accounts to draw from first because taxes are a big part of retirement. If you don't draw from the right accounts, you pay too, too much taxes, and that eats into what you have left over in, later in life. So one of my big fears is definitely, you know, those final, I don't know, 10 to 40 years. And I think that's one of the things that colors the whole income in retirement kind of shady. Like if I live 10 years, I'll want to take Social Security early. If I live 40 years, I want to take it as late as possible. If I live 10 years, you know, $400,000 will take me a long way. If I live 40 years, I'll be, you know, dead broke and living in a trailer park eating cat food. Um, how much in financial planning would you say just the the unknowns play into planning? Because you have to go with like actuary kind of numbers and assume, don't you? Yeah, well, I don't like people to retire right now unless I can look at pretty conservative growth rates and 3% inflation on basic expenses, 5 to 6% inflation on healthcare costs um, until the youngest spouse is, is age 100. If, if people are running out of money before that, um, and they're not willing to downsize their home or even move out of the Bay Area because it's very expensive to live there, um, you know, I tell them to work a little bit longer. If they don't like their existing job, then try to find something that they do like in order to not draw over the next 10 years on their portfolio. It's the first 10 years in retirement that is the, the most key years to make sure you don't overspend based on your projections because you're pulling money out of your portfolio that's supposed to stay in there like you said, 30, 40 years from now, well, let's say 40 years from now, but let's say 20 years from now, that's supposed to still be in it should have compounded and doubled a couple of times. And if you spend way too much in the early years, you significantly uh, change your forecasts, and it doesn't, it doesn't look good. So you can't go into retirement without really detailed cash flow. Otherwise, you do still have too many unknowns, and you'll either be that person that retires and they freeze, they can't spend any money because they don't know how long it's going to last and they they're actually pretty miserable not doing anything just kind of misers miser zone you know what i mean or you you invest poorly and you think you know you go through a a bull run in the market you think it always goes up because you're invested way too aggressively and you're spending too much that's even worse because you know you get used to a certain lifestyle and then it drastically changes once you actually go in for a plan and the person says, nope, you don't have enough to, to maintain this lifestyle. That's not a fun meeting, Rob. So I recently um, was talking to a friend who's renting in my hometown and he's renting for a $2 million house for about $3,000 a month. And I was like, your landlord should sell. If he's yeah, only absolutely. getting... 36000 on a $2 million asset, and he's covering costs and, you know, 
um, property taxes, things like that. I'm like, that's not a good return on investment. But yet this guy is so he's so rich. He owns like 20, 30 properties in the city and he donates like basketball courts and stuff like that. So he's not looking for optimized returns. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you deal with any of that when you meet with people who are talking about income in retirement where you're like, you should sell this house because you could get a better return. But then they're like, I'm not really worried about optimizing and getting the full, you know, five to six percent that I could get on my asset. Yeah, and that's the point in life where they know that they have so much in assets, so much in income between their dividends and their stocks and their rental income that it becomes more of what am I going to do with this wealth versus do I have enough to live? And those are much more fun meetings <laughs> than the than the one I was just telling you about. So yeah, I've got clients that I do you know, this schedule E on their rental properties and they say, you know, this is not a good, good return on your money. And then they'll say, well, yeah, but this person's been there for 15 years. I really like them. They've been a great renter. And, and okay, then it's not about maximizing every dollar. It's about, you know, what you're doing for, for other people. And then gifting comes into play. And there's so many ways to gift money that it benefits your favorite charity, your churches. It benefits you in terms of tax breaks. Um, and, and there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, I mean, even just people that tie it to their church, if you tie it with low base of stock, you transfer the low base of stock to your, to your church instead of cash, you give them the same dollar value, but you get a, uh, you, you get a, get rid of a capital gain problem. Um, if you want to leave money to your favorite church or charity, leave your IRA. They'll never pay taxes on it, whereas your heirs would. So leave your heirs the stock or the real estate, leave the church the IRA. Um, so gotcha. there's a lot of ways to do it. We're running out of time. We've got about two minutes left. Tonight we're doing an event in Los Gatos called Building a Retirement Portfolio That Last. Anything that you want to pitch on this? It's going to be at the Toll House Hotel from 630 to 9. Anything that people could look forward to? Um, yeah, I mean, just all the pieces of the portfolio. So there's some key pieces. You've got your safe money. We talk about how to calculate your expenses to, to get you to the point of how much safe money you need. Also, dividend achiever stock stocks that have a history of increasing their dividend, which is great because when you do go through downturns in the market, they still pay a dividend and they still increase their dividend. Um, other pieces of the portfolio, including types of bond and bond funds that I own right now and also bond alternatives that I think we're going to need in the portfolio, Rob, for the next probably four to six years until interest rates get to normal. And when I mean normal, that's, you know, around 4% on the 10-year treasury. So until that, and that's, you know, almost two percentage points away. So until that point comes into play, we got to look at bond alternatives out there right now. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton, building a portfolio in retirement that lasts. You want it to last. I, I know I'm snickering, but that's the critical twist on this one. It's going to be tonight at the Toll House Hotel from 6.30 to 9. From 6.30 to 9, you can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com or robblack.com. Either or, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Big event coming up tonight at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. I hope a lot of you can make it out. Also, I did publish a newsletter yesterday that I'll try to put on my Facebook page and my Twitter feed if people want to see it. I basically went over some ideas on Apple, some ideas on two other stocks, one stock and one exchange-traded fund. Uh, so look for that later today at Cron4 Rob Black or the group page I Hate Rob Black on Facebook and or my Twitter feed Rob Black Show. I know that's a lot of information. Just go with it, okay? Uh, take a look at the markets. Some selling in China weighs on overall risk tolerance. Procter & Gamble retreated despite reporting a bottom line beat. Strength in financials, materials, telco services, utilities, consumer staples, healthcare, and much, much more. One strategist out today saying that gold has the potential to go to $700 an ounce. I would be very cautious owning gold. Um, it tends to get sold in fear. I had a listener email me a couple weeks ago where she said, you know, what do you think about gold? And I was like, I don't like it. I think it can go lower. Um, here's my reasons why. And I said, so why do you like it or why are you interested? She goes, because my neighbor is freaking out that the world's going to end and that we all should be in gold. So her her friend probably listens to shows like Glenn Beck, which kind of sell fear. And then they get sponsors who would benefit from a lot of fear. Gold. So uh, higher interest rates um, and a weakening world economy does not look good for gold, in my opinion. U.S. economic growth accelerated in the second quarter as a pickup in consumer spending offset the drag from soft business spending on equipment. First reading on second quarter GDP was at 2.3%. Um, Facebook beat earnings expectations. The stock came in a little bit low. Revenue was $4.04 billion, up 39% year over year. Only about 17% of Facebook's daily active users come from the United States and Canada. Big international play. 968 million daily active users, up 17% year over year, but a slight miss from expectations. 1.49 billion monthly active users. Wow. About 65% of Facebook's monthly active users are daily active users. About 76% of advertising revenue came from mobile, up from about 62% at this time last year. Cost and expenses of 2.76 billion compared to last year, 1.5. So costs are going up. That's a significant increase. Facebook has always warned us that 2015 was going to be a year of investment while it continues to develop new technologies like virtual reality and other projects. Um, most of Facebook's revenue came from mobile. About 5% came from payments and other fees. Um, operating margin dropped to about 31% from 48%. Again, big boom in spending. Uh, people spend about 46 minutes per day on average across Facebook Messenger and Instagram. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. If that's the average, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I think let's bring in Tony Mendez and talk a little bit of real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's my personal lender. You've heard him on the show numerous times. I actually hang out with a guy on occasion on weekends and uh, just relax a little bit. So he's a lender. He's the guy who gets you your mortgage. He's the guy who tells you what you qualify for, what you're pre-qualified for. One of the more interesting angles that I hear him get frustrated over is 
when someone wants to put 20% down and the appraiser goes out and it's not quite 20%, it's too high of a number or too low yeah. of a number, um, and suddenly you have to come up with more money. Talk a little bit about how this happens and I guess recapsulate what I just said. I mean, quite simply, we're in a seller's market and there's not enough sales right now. We know inventory is low and, and sales volume is low. So what happens is the your purchase price is going to get kicked up. You're going to overbid uh, so that you can get that offer accepted. And then when your appraisal comes in, it's going to be you know a certain percentage below that amount. So if you have certain uh, down payments, let's say 20%, and the reason we want 20%, of course, is to avoid a loan that has mortgage insurance and to get better rates, is now your loan is... Uh, as a uh, 19% or 18% down payment, okay? So you're going to get mortgage insurance or you're going to have an FHA loan with higher mortgage insurance. So there are some tools that people can use to keep the same down payment but avoid mortgage insurance, and that's to get um, a second loan. It it always works out, and you don't have to get a big second loan. It can be as small as like $7,500, and it can put you over that 80%. You you have, you know, the interest rate's a little bit higher. Yes, it's adjustable, but... But you can focus on paying that off a little early, leave yourself a nice little equity line you could use down the road. But it avoids that mortgage insurance, and it's always a lower payment when you get that scenario. So when it does come back, um, do people panic? When what comes back? The appraisal. And it's... Um, well, you know, it's something that we've, we've definitely been focusing on preparing people for. Yeah. So we run the scenarios in advance. Now, that doesn't mean that your lender is going to do that in advance. They may just say... Oh well, we got to make sure that you have 20% down, and they don't, and they might see some reserves, or they look at your 401k or IRA and say, oh, we have some reserves there that we can use, and they don't think it through that maybe they don't want to use a 401k or yeah. their IRA, and they don't prepare people for it. And I think that's where a, where a lot of people that are going into offers, um, and and the, they're not prepared, they're not talking to the realtor, and and not only that, the realtor's not asking, hey, you got 20% down, are you prepared to offer another 40,000 over appraised value or whatever it is? Um, and what are your contingency plan? Contingency plans. How does the appraisal process work now? What is it, like a two-day thing? Um, you know, you, you start the loan process, you submit a loan, you you contact the appraiser, they, they call you, your agent, they enter the house, they um, take pictures, they measure the house, make sure, you know, the, the appraisal process is a lot more detailed than it used to be. Okay. Uh, and, and they have an appraisal management company that that appraiser works for that's going to do a quality check, and the lender's going to do a quality check. And as a matter of fact, I just talked to a client not too long ago who came to my office and said, you know what, we tried to refinance the lender. Uh, we got an appraisal. It worked out fine. But the lender did what, you know, the, the, a BP, a broker price opinion, and, and it, they disagreed with the appraiser and knocked or the appraisal amount, and they knocked it down 20 grand, which disqualified them. So there's a lot of quality control that goes into it now. But um, So just because you get an appraisal, and this is something that the California Association of Realtors and it needs to change on their contract is that an appraisal contingency isn't just value. Yeah, okay, you can put an appraisal contingency in there and it comes in at value, great. It, the appraisal still has to pass the lender. So, for example, if the property comes in in fair value or there's an unpermitted addition or uh, there's Section 1 items, uh, termite damage, or anything like that that needs to be repaired. So there's, there's, there, there are some corrections that need to be made, and I hope at some point they do make these corrections because it's kind of confusing. It's, it's too simple. And a real estate transaction, we want it to be simple, but there's a lot of things that still need to protect the buyer. And if you remove an appraisal contingency and you don't have a loan contingency, 
You could be stuck with a with a house and coming up with extra money, have to borrow from your parents or whatever. Tap your four hundred one k if you and you really didn't need to. It makes a painstakingly frustrating process even more frustrating when yeah. that happens. Yep. I'm speaking with Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. We're learning more and more that millennials are really important to the future of our stock market, the future of our economy. So we continue to talk about them. Um, the living at home phenomenon seems to be growing as an accepted part of culture. In terms of sheer numbers, there are more young adults today than when the recession hit. The 18 to 34-year-old population has grown by nearly 3 million since 2007, but the number of them heading their own households has not increased. The national unemployment rate for young adults declined to 7.7% in the first four months of the year, down from 12.4%, which is ghastly, in 2010. So there's still some emotional scars that leave millennials less likely to leave the nest. Maybe it's that the mom does laundry. Maybe it's that the mom does cooking. Um, they were the hardest hit in the Great Recession that we went through, and they're least likely to leave home. T-Mobile lifted its subscriber growth rate uh, outlook for the year as the company logged a better than expected 14% increase in revenue for its second quarter. Whole Foods shares getting smacked around, plunging 12%, after third quarter results missed expectations on earnings and lowered guidance for future sales. The company posted record sales of $3.6 billion in line with expectations, but they basically said going forward the rest of the year, look for stores to be in the low single digits as far as sales growth goes. Um, low single digits difference than what they were at at one point in time of 9% and 7%. So you can see things are slowing down pretty aggressively. Former Top Gear trio is going to be headed for Amazon. Jeremy Clarkson, James May, and Richard Hammond. They've got a new show. And again, it's it's fascinating that Amazon and Netflix are really, you know, throwing down smack and money to get some of the, you know, the top talents of media. So it's a pretty big win for Amazon in their prime television series. Top Gear was a cash cow for BBC, and it's not going away. New host Chris Evans was signed on to replace Clarkson after Clarkson threw something of a spat and was considered tough to work with. Samsung. Oof. That's all you could say when you say Samsung these days. At one point in time, they looked pretty competitive with Apple, and their new Galaxy S6 looked pretty good. But then the reported earnings that dropped 8% year over year, that's its fifth consecutive decline. And what we learned is they didn't make enough of their phones. They guessed wrong. They probably had more demand they could have, could have met. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone, give me a call, 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. Big event coming up tonight in Los Gatos at the Tollhouse Hotel. Sign up for it tonight at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can meet me tonight and CFP Chad Burton. Um, we're going to be oot in a boot, as our Canadian friends would say. We're going to be talking about building a retirement income portfolio uh, that lasts. You want it to last, and you don't want to get caught up in an up market or a down market and change things. You kind of want to have a strategy going in. We're going to be talking a lot about risk. We're going to be talking about low interest rates that might start becoming higher interest rates and what that means, minimizing taxes, efficiencies, distributions, um, some dividend-paying stocks and ETF ideas we brought up, and much, much more. You can sign up for the event tonight at Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos at robblack.com. That's robblack.com at 6.30 to 9. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, let's talk expected returns. Doesn't a balanced portfolio kick out about 7% per year? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, even through what we call kind of the lost decade where the S&P 500 had a, you know, the average annual return in the 2000s was, you know, from 2000 to 2010. wasn't wasn't too great. A balanced portfolio still did fairly well. But, um, you know, we've been doing retirement-type workshops, Rob, now together for, what, 17 years this August probably? And um, in the past, you know, I'd, I'd show charts on why people's expectations for returns back, especially when the tech days were going on, and they were assuming they could retire on 14%, 20% rates of return like the market was doing for a while. Why that was silly because, you know, you need to project it under 7%. Well, what's getting a lot of attention right now is uh, really what's called the order of returns in retirement and the expected returns in the next five to ten years. The reason for that is is that the stock market has averaged close to 11% throughout history. It's a long term, right? But we went through this great credit crisis where kind of consumers deleveraged and that went on to the government's balance sheets. And uh, long story short, companies deleveraged as well. So they have done a lot of financing and use that money to buy back their own stock, which is look, which has caused their earnings per share to go up. And I'm not saying it's every company, but it, it, it's definitely across the board in the S&P 500, where the revenue hasn't grown as fast as the earnings per share. So we get to these points in time where, okay, the market, if it's fairly valued right now, and mm-hmm. there's not as much deleveraging going on, or there's not a much, as much financial engineering in terms of share buybacks. If their revenue is growing at 4%, their earnings are going to grow at 4%. Um, or let's say it's 6% on average. So if you assume stocks for the next, the near term, because they've come up so far so fast, are at 6%, then we're looking at the average bond fund yielding 3% right now. Let's say you go into retirement with an aggressive approach, 70% stocks, 30% bonds. You assume stocks are only going to earn 6% over the next 5 to 10 years and bonds only 3% over the next uh, 5 to 10 years. 70% at 6%, 30% at 3%, that's an average return of 5%. So, you know, you will go through periods like, like that in history where a balanced portfolio doesn't do as well as it had in the past. And that's okay. You know, and I, and I say those numbers and I'm talking about just U.S. stocks. I think we can get higher returns if you're more globally diversified. Um, especially in some of the currency-hedged European and Japanese equities and things like that. So I think we can get higher than that. I'm just saying that you will go through periods of time where you do have lower than expected returns. You will go through 
three or four years where you might have a uh, you know couple years of a down market, a little bit of a rebound, and you're kind of flat. You just have to have a plan for that. You're going to be okay because it's happened in the past where you will not be okay, like I've said in the past. It's, if you're fully invested in stocks or you're even invested in stocks and bonds and both go down because of rapidly rising interest rates and you don't have a cash reserve to draw on in order to let your portfolio rebound and give it time to rebound, if you draw at the bottom, you're never going to recover. Those people that went into retirement too aggressive, no cash reserves, no plan, and they were drawing all the way down in 2008 and nine, they're they're back to work, Rob. I mean, unless they had a massive amount of wealth, they're typically back to work. Yeah. It's interesting because I <clears throat> I play with the idea of retirement. Like, I like the idea. I like thinking about it. But then I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I need to continue to work and keep that income coming in until I take my foot off the, the gas because I, I don't think I can come back. I've worked so hard for such a long time that as soon as I quit, I think I'm going to probably die. <laughs> anyway, um, what else do we need to know? Everybody's morning with. <laughs> it's it's funny because you do see a lot of people who just they get lost in retirement, like they don't know what to do, how to to pass their time. And then uh, I've seen people, you know, pick up spending in retirement, which is a, a big no no. But suddenly they have time on their hands and they start collecting stuff from Amazon. And you know, my mom in retirement, she got addicted a little bit to the Home Shopping Network thing, just someone to talk to. It's weird how right. we spend our money in retirement. Well, we got we anything else that we our, need to know. We got to watch our older parents or our old grandparents and parents as well. I remember my grandmother; she started to get dementia. She ended up with um, five subscriptions to Reader's Digest because every time somebody called, it, she would buy it. Um, so you know, it's you, you got to have a life plan in retirement. It's not just about money. It's what's going to get you out of bed. I talk about this, I, I feel like almost too much, but then every time I run into people and I ask them, okay, what are you, what are you going to do? You're going to retire. You've been working 40 to 60 hours a week. What do you like to do? What's fun? You know, is it golf? Is it charitable work? Is it Doctors Without Borders? What's going to get you out of bed? And if you can't answer that question, you might be financially ready to retire, but you're not mentally prepared to retire because you, you might end up being one of those extremes, which is the, the very, very... Uh, upset miser or the overspender that's going to destroy their retirement. Thanks very much. CFP Chad Burton, you can meet him tonight talking about building a retirement portfolio that lasts at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos, California. Lovely place. 639. Try to get there a little bit early because traffic is a bear. I'll be there a little bit early if you want to catch me and chat with me. You could sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com or newfocusfinancial.com. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.